Um, so we're going to go through Philippians 4, 10 through 23. And we'll just start reading. Um, Philippians 4, 10, I'm reading out the ESV. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So uh, 4.10 says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity so looking for opportunities to further the gospel should be our main concern. Looking for opportunities to advance the kingdom of God should be our central focus through all that we're doing. So Epaphroditus was the solutions the Philippians sought to deliver resources to the Roman prison Paul resided in so Paul could have resources. We need certain things. Um... <clears throat> Consider overseas, um, the harsh conditions that some people live in. You see those pictures of the kids with the cleft lips and the deformities and malnourished, starving, deaths and dying, no water, you know, no livestock. All the stuff we see when someone's promoting a giving opportunity, you know what I mean. And, um, and it'll, it's heart-wrenching. It, it'll... it'll tug at you and then make you consider, am I doing enough? You know, am I uh, really going as far as I can, you know, trying to meet the needs of people that obviously don't have what we have? I mean, we, we have to admit we're, we're a little better over here in America than a lot of third world countries and a lot of countries in general. You know, we rate and... Um, our dollar goes much further in third world countries and other countries than it does here. So, I mean, it's not, I'm sure all of us have ended up in some way, form, or fashion sending or trying to send some money. <laughs> yeah, somewhere or over there. You know, we've all done it or tried to do it or might still be doing it, you know. Um, now, that brings me to a scripture. Well, no, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> it brings me to this point, you know. Consider this. The Bible isn't speaking about 
the Philippians sending money to feed the poor in Rome like we get all the time through the media and stuff, send and feed the poor, and you know, and then they show you the pictures and, and all of that. That's not what the Bible is actually telling us. We're supposed to feed the poor. It goes without saying. That's, but in this case, I think the focus needs to be the life, the second life, is important, more important than the first life, right? This life, yeah, this life is, is important, but the life to come that someone can lose is much more important. So while we should definitely concern ourselves with the destitute, the reach for those that are dying twice or about to face the second death is of much more importance. That kind of focus and then that kind of faith in God to keep that focus and to know that he's going to use you in whatever circumstance you're in, regardless of the circumstance, he's going to use you to get his will done. Those kinds of things gives you contentment. That Here's where contentment comes from, okay? I'm content. That no matter what, if I'm happy or sad, poor or rich, you know, beat on or, or left alone, whatever the case may be, he's going to use me in my circumstance to address a vital need. The second death. Okay? He doesn't want anyone to die the second death. This, this, is, this is key. Revelations 21.8 says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with the fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So, the faithless. A lot of people that are starving today in various parts of the world don't have the faith we have. They don't have the faith they need. We're supposed to reach them. If it be by feeding them or clothing them or whatever it takes, our focus is the second death. We don't want them to endure or hear, apart from me, depart from me. We don't want them to hear that. We want them to enter into his rest, into eternal dwellings, right? It kind of shifts things where the world would have you commend yourself for your giving. Right? Pat yourself on the back. Here's your humanitarian award. You know, we're, we're going to, the, the Bill Gates Foundation. You know, the Trout Foundation. And <laughs> you, you get it? Okay, we can be tricked. Our giving is, look, we're made in the image of God. So non-believers, they have these attitudes of giving, taking care of, but they're not focused on the things we're focused on or should be, right? They're going to give. But without God, they're the pinnacle. They're the, the pinnacle of, of their choice. Without God, they're looking for a monument. They can't help it. They can say I did this out of the pureness of my heart, 
but our hearts aren't pure. <laughs> right? We're operating to serve the Lord. Impure people with a pure spirit that's going to lead us into pure acts. Right? Otherwise, it's self-centered. Otherwise. The goal is not the humanitarian award. It's the fruit-producing Paul um, describes in verse 17. Not a reward, but life-sustaining resources, sharing the burden of his labor. Paul expects a reward in the afterlife. According to Paul, they're also increasing their fruit by co-laboring and partnering. Who's also increasing their fruit? The Philippians, his friends, they sent him stuff. They sent him some money and some other resources, right? So he's commending them, but it's a little different. I mean, you might say, you guys are sending Paul this, and he's in jail, and actually it's a, um, it's a house arrest, right? And stuff. But look at all the dying children out there. You didn't send all this money <laughs> directly to UNICEF, or right? You're sending it to him, right? And he just, you know, that, look, when you're thinking outside of God, it could be a thought that he's just trying to reestablish himself. You know, he used to be all this. You know, now you send in some person money, a jailbird, right? He's in prison. You know he's wrong. All kinds of thoughts come to mind, right? And the world is going to perpetuate and persuade us in these inaccurate directions, right? This is what they do, right? They don't know any better, so forgive them, <laughs> right? But they don't know like we know. So I think personally... If the focus is life-sustaining, and I'm meaning real life-sustaining, if that's the focus, then I'm going to trust my money with Sheila, who's over in Japan right now, right? Or, or Doretha, who's over in Russia, right? I'm going to, and this is funny because, you know, I just found out today that when, when um, Jesus said, don't... Um, take any money with you when he was going out. The women were supplying the money. The women. Yeah, it's in Luke. Yeah, for real. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. You can supply me with some money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll meet you. Yeah. But, but the point is, is that if, if, if we're anchored all over the place, like-minded, and have this purpose, right? I'm going to trust that Ruth is going to feed the dying, the destitute, but with a motive, not just feed them for her own commendation or feed them for whatever other reason her boss at UNICEF is suggesting, whatever the reason, our reason is for him. So, She's going to, of course, be heartbroken to see some of the near-death experiences and stuff. But she wants to usher that gospel in, right? This is what Ruth wants to do. 
Uh, Philippians 4.10 says, I'm a firm believer in helping feed the hungry, but I have a fellow servant in a distant land sharing the word of life in the event that any person dies accepting the Lord, they will not die the second death. That doesn't say that. <laughs> that's, I'm sorry, that's, uh, that's me. I said that. I wrote that. <laughs> okay. So, I am a firm believer. I'm sorry. Yeah. So if the goal is to keep them alive without the gospel, that's admirable. But what about the life that matters? Okay, I typed that out. And that's literally David Boxton, not plagiarized. But um, I forgot and put it under this heading. And so, but that's, that's our goal. So if, if you have a goal, then you, if your goal, especially if your goal is in God, in Christ, it's going to succeed. Your vision is in Christ. It won't perish, right? It's going to bear fruit. So, so if we stay anchored to, to Christ, we're going to succeed, right? But bless the Lord. So we can get pulled and, and tugged and swayed, right? And we have been. If any one of us doesn't want to admit that, we have fallen prey, you know, to, to other, I'm not going to call them schemes. Part of the money we gave probably got to where it was intended, right? But they can be schemes. They can be. Um, Paul says in 410, I rejoice that you have revived your concern for me. Revive, definition, give new strength or energy to. They revisited an effort that had declined in momentum, right? They finally got him some money where they tried to do it before and couldn't. They got Epaphroditus to get over there and get it to him, right? Um, there's been times you wanted to give, perhaps give to a cause, and you became skeptical. Have you ever given to a cause, and then after you gave, you got an acknowledgement letter, and then you got flooded with all these other causes, right? So it, it goes without saying, that wouldn't be God's way, right? That kind of speaks volumes to, right? And it's almost a punishment, <laughs> Right? Because Satan really doesn't want the kids to survive over in Ethiopia. He really doesn't. You know, so it's like, but like I'm saying, the American dollar can go so much further that if we send the money over to Ethiopia, if we did, right? And then um, for a dollar, they're able to buy a full breakfast, if you send $10 and $1 were to get there, then, right, it, right, it makes a difference. So we have to suffer even in trying to get the money to where it goes, right? So if I'm sending Clamas the money, then in order for it to get to Clamas, it might go through taxation and penalties. Who knows what they come up with? My $10 in Clamas's hands is a quarter, but a quarter in Haiti is a lot more money than it is here. And we get flooded for doing it with the aftermath of email and 
phone calls and all of this. We're going to suffer for serving the Lord. It's, 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 it's horrible, but it's part of it. We're in a world that's hostile to the work of the Lord. This world hates us trying to usher in the truth of the gospel. Bless the Lord. Um, things are getting better, I guess, and all of that kind of sort of stuff. But if I were any of you and you or me, you know, we find, first of all, we serve, we uh, supply the need here. Well, first of all, if you're married with kids, you, you take care of them, you know, then this body. But don't stop there. And, and, and what I'm saying is don't be scared because... Who will supply our needs? Right? We don't have anything without him first supplying it to us. And he's not supplying it to us so that we can build a kingdom for ourselves. We're going to have to give. Bless the Lord. We're going to have to give in ways that fear would prevent us from giving before. We're living in a time that don't count on your money. No, really. Use it now. Don't count on it because inflation is entering in. Um, night is coming when no man can work. It's the same with what we're holding on to this money. Ask the Lord. Show me where to give while it has substance, while it has value. Because <laughs> these Look, I'm not going to prophesy. I just learned to prophesy, but we're headed in some crazy, I don't care what it looks like. I'm not in an argument with masking or any of the things that we're doing to protect ourselves. I believe there's a virus. I believe it's real. I believe there are variants. I believe that's real. I believe this world is exploiting this thing. I believe that very much in my heart. I believe it. I don't believe everything I hear on TV. They are not believers. <laughs> their, their message is not coming from him. It's coming from their own history, their own motives, their own... Okay? So as they shape this thing that we're central in a breadline somewhere where money doesn't matter, we'll think of the loss of not using the money when it did matter. It will be a great loss. We had an opportunity to get the gospel message out by sending our money here and using it there. We had this opportunity we may lose pretty soon. Be a generous giver. Give to churches. Give to this church. And then give to churches that are not clown churches overseas, but the churches that you know are doing the work of God. You know, now, honestly, say, need I say any more? So we're going to move on to, so that I don't uh, miss my verses, because I'm prone to this line-by-line line teaching. This. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we don't... <laughs> So, so, we don't want people to die. 
tomorrow on just a full stomach. Okay? We don't. If they die tomorrow, they'll die again, having been fed the day they left here. Bless God. So um, Philippians 4, 11 and 12 says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So Paul focuses on the concept of contentment regardless of his circumstances. Contentment regardless of our circumstances. We can give a perception of contentment, but true contentment has more to do with our faith rather than our ability to master a look. I can look content. We we know how to look. I'm okay with that when we're not in here, right? We can master a look. Gurus master looks. That's what they do, you know, um, Gandhi puts himself through all kinds of different situations to show how content he is. Houdini um, would let the people punch him in the stomach, show how that doesn't bother him. He's content. You know, these are ways people put on a, a show. But our contentment is going to really come from the truth First of all, no matter what happens, I have faith that I'm going there to be with the Lord, right? Even my mistakes don't take that away from me, right? So I'm first, I'm content there. I have strong contentment, right? Okay, but I kind of fluctuate in other areas. If you... um, if you told me, hey, you know, we're going to have, uh... well, I fluctuate in other areas. My contentment, it needs to stay anchored to the work that Christ is doing in me. Not just what he's done, not just what God has done, but what he's doing, trusting him along the way. Bless the Lord. Um, in Acts nine fifteen through 16, Jesus said, but the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So who must suffer? Paul. Paul's going to suffer. Paul caused people to suffer. Now he's going to do some suffering. I'm not saying that because Paul caused people to suffer, now he's being paid back. What, what I'm saying is, is that if God wants you to suffer and you haven't caused anyone to suffer, suffer for Christ. D- suffer. If he wants you to, you can't get out of it anyway. So ask him for contentment in your suffering. We can have contentment in our suffering. So it's not a matter of mastering it, in some cases, it's just a matter of faith. Bless the Lord. Bless God. 
It's a matter of faith. Who are we placing faith in? I must be suffering for some reason. It must be something God's doing. Bless the Lord. Look, a friend of mine, I won't say her name. We call her Moo. So contentment means endurance. Okay? It's, it's like if you make up your mind to ask the Lord, give me contentment. And then your neighbor is stomping on the ceiling all night. Even louder now that you ask the Lord. Right? That's, it's kind of like, no, what? this is what I get in return for my request. The contentment doesn't come from the neighbor when he stops stomping. He may stomp louder and louder and louder. He may dig a hole in the floor and look down at you. It could get crazy. Contentment comes in my faith in God that you're allowing this for a reason. If nothing else, I may get to plant a seed up here. If, if nothing else. Now, that's hard. It's hard for That's why I'm saying mine is volatile because I forget. I forget what, what, what is supposed to be the key to contentment. And I'll think once he stops stomping on the ceiling. No, I'll be happy. But that's not contentment. If we know ourselves by now, when one thing subsides, something else is working its way up. Bless the Lord. Yeah, if, if, if we know ourselves by now, <laughs> this is fixed while this was breaking during this fixing. It's just ongoing. Bless the Lord. Um, Paul was a chosen instrument that was going to suffer much for Christ. Jesus said, I have said these things to you, us, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we're going to have tribulation, but our contentment is in this. He has overcome the world. We place our faith in his ability to overcome the world, which means we overcome the world. Hurt, broke, mistreated, grieving, loss. You know, I think about Pastor Doug and all this that he went through, right? These guys, he's been having back-to-back -back deaths, family deaths. I mean, look. It's that one light that makes me do this, so I'm not trying to be cool. I'm just trying to, <laughs> yeah, it's that one. Yeah, it just kind of shines right down here. Yeah, that, that big yellow one back there. But, um, but, so, but it's not. What, what, it, what it's not, it's, it's, it's not when things end, right? It's in the middle, it, it, involved in it, right? Contentment. No matter what, you gave me cake yesterday. Why are you bringing me dog food today? No, I'm content with whatever you bring because my contentment is not what you're serving me. My contentment isn't in that. 
My contentment is in the faith that I have in God. This is what we have to ask for. Bless God. This is Paul. I mean, if anybody got beaten, flogged, and tossed around, just mistreated and arrested and all the stuff after Jesus, right? I understand that the prisons would be four feet high. So forever, you, 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 know, you, you, you know, you can't stand straight up, right? He was under house arrest during this letter, but he suffered in prisons I'm describing, right? So, I mean, it's just so much that you'll finally say, well, look, I'm done. You know, I, I want to change in life. I, I want things to be better. I got news for us. <laughs> they are going to get better. Nobody is going to experience our experience unless they place their trust in God. The day is coming when there won't be any more grief, sorrow, death, despair. This is, look, how soon is it coming? How old are you now? How many people have died in your life? They're on the other side. It could come now. It could come later. Three score and ten and plus ten. Right? Okay, we're on the verge Look, be content in the Lord. Use all that you have to glorify him in your giving and supporting each other in a partnership. Because your day is coming. Remember that song, our day will come. I like that song. I was a kid. Yeah. And it, it, it spoke to me when I was a kid. Of course, I was waiting for Christmas. But now, that, that was a short-term goal. Short term, right? <laughs> Our day, meaning the day of the Lord, that day is coming that's forever. Who's known a day that lasts forever? Bless God. Bless the Lord. So, if we could, like Paul, center in on the things we have, that will always be with us. Those things sum up to one thing. Jesus, I'll never leave you or forsake you. The stuff we're going through, he didn't say we wouldn't go through. He said he would give us peace in these situations. Paul is saying, I'm content no matter what. Bless the Lord. Um, let's see. That prison, for instance, um, isn't ideal either because Paul was uh, able to convert some guards. But the whole prison didn't turn into a church, right? You know, everybody wasn't rallying around him. Yeah, no, we can't reach it. We, we won't be able to reach everybody. Um, the gospel will be heard all around the, the world. But as an individual, he'll give me my own ability and you. And then corporately, corporately, we're together right now, gathered together, strengthening each other and, and fortifying the truth of the gospel in our hearts. Um, we can't just muster it up. 
So 1 Timothy says, 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Content in God. Content in God, okay? Be content in him. 2 Corinthians 11, 24 and 29 speak of all the floggings, the beatings, the three beatings, the stonings, the shipwrecks and more that Paul went through. If you couldn't find a comb this morning, let me look at some, some fancy hair, all of y'all. If you, if you, Candace, if Candace couldn't find a comb this morning in all the house, anywhere, she might not be here today. You, you get it? It's like for us, it's like I can't find my pick. I'm not going anywhere. I got to pick this mess out, right? Right? Paul is saying no. (laughs) I wake up with nappy head off the floor, whatever the case may be. I'm content. I really think the theme is this contentment. Yeah, in in Philippians, contentment, I I really want to believe that. That's an overarching, yeah, or theme, you know. Um, So we will have been through some things, but before, before we leave here, listen, some of us are still going through. Some of us don't know that we're going through yet because what we're going through just hasn't revealed itself, <laughs> right? What we don't want to do is not expect it. And what we don't want to do is let our imaginations think only of it. Something's coming. Things have been too nice for the last five minutes. Something must be coming down the pike, right? <laughs> we want to be content whether it comes <laughs> or not. One of the most famous verses People quote all the time. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul's comment is specifically referring to the ability of a Christian to endure under hardship and persecution. Despite well-meaning use of the words, this text does not teach that a Christian is empowered to accomplish anything he comes up with. That's not what it means. So I don't know that I have to tell you guys that. I mean, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us to do those things. Right? He's not going to just give you the strength to go and strike Doretha. And, right? It's, it's, it's not like that. Philippians, am I still there? Yeah, yeah. So, in context, what did he just mention about his circumstances? Paul didn't say in the previous verse, he finagled a new car, a new watch, a new girl, a new home, and all this is possible through Christ. Right? He's saying, you want to know what I've been through, okay? And I'm content in Christ. And you want to know where I'm writing you from right now? And I'm still content. And you know how long it took for your gift to get here? It's been a long time coming. And I'm content. And you know what? I'm not urging you to keep them coming. 
I'm trying to tell you right now, I appreciate the fruit that you're developing for yourself by doing this selfless act. This is where he's going with this. If you don't do it, guess who's content? If you don't send a dime, guess who's content? I'm already saved. Right? Bless the Lord. The Philippians' act of generosity was a way of taking some of Paul's hardships from him. We weren't able to take away someone else's hardships. If I died in your place, you'd still have to die. Okay? If I died in your place, Linda, you'd still have to die. David died to save you from a conviction. I'll die for her, Your Honor, and he kills me. You'll still die later on. Right? You just might have a minute more than I did. I can't resurrect you based on my death. It's not going to bring you to life. Right? Um, my effort to end some of your hardship is God-honoring. My giving money to the church is God-honoring. Right? First and foremost, he's honored. And this isn't just a message because you know we don't believe all that craziness Copeland and those guys preach about giving money. So I shouldn't have to say that. What I'm saying is the fear of giving in a world that's dying right now, that's confused all over the place. Everyone is, is in havoc. You see what's going on in France and in Russia and all over the place. Everyone's dealing with something crazy. And what better time to get the gospel message out there through giving something, even from behind bars, right? If I'm a believer and I'm behind bars, I can do some things from behind bars, right? It has no, it doesn't matter if I went behind bars for Christ or if I ended up there for something that I did. Here's a person that's using his life, not fighting for a pillow. He's not asking for amenities or I'm innocent. This isn't his fight. It's, hey, what can we do over here and over there? <laughs> Guess what? Guards are being saved in here. What are you guys doing out there? What are you doing? What are we doing? We don't just show up for a good message that encourages us to do the right thing and agree with the message and then go back and turn on CNN and sit there and watch it. Right? Okay, and, and all the, look, we further this message, the gospel. I don't know how, ask him. What we don't have, he'll give us. Jesus wants us to support each other. And he'll supply all of our needs as we do so. So, 
did I read this? Philippians 14, 4, 14 through 16? Yes, I didn't. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into a partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Jesus wants us to support each other, okay? Paul referred to their help as a partnership. Giving has spiritual implications in our lives. Everything we do that God wants us to do fertilizes our being. Giving is so much more rewarding here than receiving. The ability to give in doing so reflects God's character. He gave all he had. It demonstrates a trust in God. Taking that money out that pocket demonstrates a trust in God. Why money? Because you use money to buy all your Gucci. This is why. Why money? Because I cannot buy my gold rings if I give this church the money. Let's think about this. The gold ring (laughs) won't last forever. Either it's going to get ripped off or my finger's going to wither because I'm aging. It doesn't make sense to hold on to things here. We trust God. We have a future in a kingdom that won't perish where fingers won't get little. (laughs) Bless the Lord. Now, you know that was profound. (laughs) Fingers won't get little there. Philippians 4.17 says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. If I lend to them, they're under obligation to pay it back. If I lend to you, Sheila, you're in obligation to pay me back. That's right. And I want my money. But Proverbs says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. So I'm not going to loan it to Sheila. I'm going to loan it to God who's decided to pay me back. Bless the Lord. Listen, this could get hijacked by any number of money-mongering preachers. I'm not saying I'm going to get big rewards here, but Paul is talking about the fruit that the Philippians are storing up for themselves by the gift they sent him, acknowledging that our reward is in heaven. Anything we get here is to get there. Anything we give here is to get it back there. Focus on where we're going. Why would it make a difference to receive it in heaven? This is where you're going to live forever. This isn't a temporal place. Heaven is long lasting, everlasting. Get a clue. 
And I say it all the time, it's not floating on clouds. So why would I need it in heaven? You will have a job to do. Look, if you serve him here, he's going to establish you there. You think about um, um, Joseph and his brothers when they finally realized who he was. The king, the two brothers, they wanted, the mother wanted them on the left and on the right. Okay, same thing. The, 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 the king and Joseph, the Pharaoh and Joseph story. What did Jesus say about, about those two? That's not my position to give. That's my father's job to appoint them. So God is paying attention to who's serving with his son. And God's going to make appointments based on each individual's heartfelt service to advance the kingdom. Bless the Lord. What do you do, Pharaoh asks? Oh, I tend the sheep. Okay, I'll send you here. Pharaoh was implicating, it was an image of, of God in that sense. Pharaoh appointed Joseph over everything, which is God appointing Jesus over everything. And then Pharaoh gave out further appointments. You want an appointment? Just want to make it in. I got a friend, I just want to make it in. All I want to do is make it in. Okay, you let your kids in the house every night, don't you? Okay, they're coming in. You're coming in. But they're going to get cake while, um, while J.J., I'll pick on him. J.J. won't get cake tonight. You get it? You're all coming in. Okay, but somebody did what I said. These guys. J.J. didn't. So you won't have cake tonight. Listen, these laws of logic that we operate by, they come from our father. He's going to reward each man according to what he has done. This is what the Lord is saying. Bless the Lord, appointments. We will have appointments. Some will reign with him. I say that over and over, but it's true. It's worth banking on. So let me get back here. Because somebody said um, this morning, and I stay concise, these pastors, I'm telling you, they just start talking to you all kind of crazy ways. Keep it concise. That was nice. <laughs> that, was, that was nice. All right, so let me stay concise and as much as it's possible to do. Paul is focused on how finances can help regarding heavenly realities. A Christian's finances can be used to help others come to know Christ, support Christian leaders, and result in blessings upon those who give. Uh, we support each other out there in the trenches because the goal of the Christian is to keep the people we're ministering to from dying the second death. Okay, so we feed them, but we feed them with a purpose. We have a focus. Just keep that in your heart. You know, whatever I'm doing, it's to further the gospel. Philippians 4.18 says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. 
So we don't, of course, live under a sacrificial system. But if it brings joy to the Lord by making sacrifices, and sacrifices means that, you know, the money I was going to do with something else for something else would be much better served here for this person's life and for my life to come. I'm loaning to the Lord while I'm giving to the need. Bless the Lord. I could make the same claim to you on a postcard with a photo of a new Lamborghini. Your offering helped me secure. Having had beatings, no incarcerations, no beatings, rather no starvation, no stoning for Christ. I could say your offering is a sweet incense into the nostrils of God. This is how the secular community does. There's a lot of swindling people out there. Your heart matters. If I can get you to give and you're thinking you're going to get a Lamborghini... I'd hate you to cheat yourself if you don't get it and then get nothing else. Where are you going to live forever? It, it, it's kind of it's such a joke, trick, deceptive tactic. It's, it's, it's like, don't buy into that. You don't want to live your whole life buying something that's going to take your whole life to get. When you have to leave it. But if I were able to minister to Doretha and she wasn't saved, guess what? Her position could afford me entry into her dwellings in the kingdom. Do I need to remind you of the parable of the shrewd accountant? Jesus used that parable. He went around cutting the cost for all the people that owed the king. It wasn't even his money. It was the king's money. Just like none of this is our money. It's the king's money. So he went around cutting all their debt so that they would be kind to him because he was losing his job. We should, in like manner, cut the debt that people owe us because we're losing our lives here. And what does Jesus said? Well, it's, it makes you, it's, it's kind of funny. He's shrewd. Look at how he's rolling. But here's a lesson in that. You do likewise. Forgive the debts. Go around and give the money away to further the gospel. And you'll be surprised whose home you'll enter into in eternal dwellings. He's building homes. Oh, there's no homes in heaven. Keep studying. I'm not trying to make you. I'm trying to tell you if you don't realize that. Keep studying. He made an earth for us. We made tents. We made huts, igloos, homes, mansions. We've been building ever since. We're getting a new earth. What are we going to need? Clouds to float on? Okay. Set yourself up. Be smart. Defer. (laughs) Place your money in heaven. Defer your money there. How so? Loan it to the Lord. And you're loaning him what belongs to him. Think of that. Bless the Lord. So without further ado, because I know I'm going longer than I usually do. I'm skipping down these slides because I knew this was going to happen. 
this, this is hard for me, um, this line-by-line stuff. I'm, I'm not lying. But I think it's great because it keeps you centered in focus. Well, it keeps you guys, I, you know. Yes. Yeah. So Paul commends the Philippians for their God-like sacrifice so he can sacrifice his offering to the Lord. Philippians 20 through 23 says, To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Be with your spirit. I'm sorry. Um, Paul expresses praise. And the word glory is a theme throughout Philippians. Pastor Sam Morgan. And the glory, remember? And the glory, he just kept repeating it a couple of sermons ago. It is, it's a theme throughout. Paul's conclusion starts by his request that they pass along greetings. He refers to the Philippian believers as saints. And that all the saints there with him send the Philippian saints their greetings also. Saints means holy ones. Philippians 21 through 23 concludes Paul's letter to the church of Philippi. As with many of his other writings, Paul emphasizes brotherhood and the grace of God. In several of his epistles, Paul closes out his remarks with an appeal to the grace of God through Jesus Christ. As a man drastically transformed by that grace, Paul had good reasons to remind others of it often. My conclusion, contentment. Godliness with contentment brings great gain. Contentment doesn't come from circumstances. Godly contentment is something we can have in any circumstance. It's kind of like it, it needs a circumstance to prove itself. Bless the Lord. Don't fear giving, helping, assisting others. Don't fear the demoniac. Don't fear him. Don't fear um, the, the people without a mask. We tread on, um, um, on serpents. And won't get stung. Now listen. That last part. Don't go saying that TLC is teaching you to go out and do maskless duty. If there's a mask, put it on. But ask yourself. If there's a mask, put it on. If they don't have one, give them one. If there's none to be given, ask yourself, am I going to let this person die? Or should I die or risk death helping this person where it would be honorable to God? Look, do what you can, but we have death going on around this world right now, and these deaths are destined to meet a second death. We do what we can. If I perish, I perish. We say that all the time, too. Believe it. Regardless of our environment and everything, the glory, the, uh, we glorify God who knows the good times and the bad. 
that they are only temporal. They're here, they're temporary, and we are temporarily here. <laughs> we're leaving here. And we're gonna look good where we're going. Bow your heads with me, thank you.